Welcome to Music City 911. I'm your host, Brandon Hall. And filling in for Rick Beasley, I am Kim Manier, but most of you know me as Kim Acevedo. Rick's not joining us tonight just for self-quarantine reasons, and myself and Kim here, we work together in close proximity pretty much every day, so... You know, in our estimates, if we have this virus thing's going around, we both probably have yep. it by now, just like everybody else up there at work. Yeah, no doubt. So, I don't know, we got a few calls tonight um, that we're going to look into. So, the new voice on the show for tonight is Kim. So, Kim, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, you know, things like that? Well, I am a veteran employee of the Nashville Emergency Communication Center. Of, I just had my 15-year anniversary, actually, last month. So March? March 19th. Okay. Marked 15 years for me. Um, I'm a trainer. I'm also on the first team. I, so I dabble in a little bit of everything over there. So there's a lot of people out here that are listening, maybe in a different agency or just a you know general citizen that's not in the police or not in mm-hmm. one field. What is the first team? What do you do with that? First team is this kind of a specialized tactical dispatch team. We do a lot of on-site dispatch for... Well, not on-site so much anymore, but we can go in the field to do Titans games or Predators games or unplanned things as as well. We assisted with the tornado that we just had, worked a a lot in the emergency operations center assisting with that, and we do just a little bit of everything. Yeah, uh, I remember when we first had that, I'm I'm wanting to say that uh, as far as they they would go to the scene of anything two alarm fires or yeah. over maybe it was a paged out or something along that line Yeah, we've kind of gotten away from that we've not done that for a long time we tend to just operate from either the harding backup site our backup site or from the main site uh, but we do have the ability we can go out in the field if requested yeah that's uh it's really helpful i mean can you explain like because some people are kind of on the fence with the whole first team thing like why would you need to go out to the scene what do you think it helps actually being on the scene with something like that it helps with the avoiding the breakdown in communication. I can just look at whoever incident command is, ask them questions, and have that face-to-face versus, you know, talking on the radio or, you know, just kind of anticipating their needs a little more. Yeah, something like that. It, I can see where it would help. I mean, um, I was never the, on the first team myself because I was doing a variety of other things. I mean, there's a lot of different extra opportunities you can have up there at work and uh, when they first started, I was already a, a trainer at that point, and we were going through constant. It was month after month after month of new trainees, so there was not that much time to do anything extra for me. Yeah. I've been on the team since 2009, I believe. So the flood of 2010 was really where we got our test. Oh, did, yeah. Did a lot then, did 12-hour shifts, no days off for so many days in a row. So the tornado was a little bit reminiscent of that, not quite as bad as the flood. Yeah, the uh, the flood, I remember that. Uh, for those of you that don't know, in 2010, we had a huge flood in Nashville. It was, what, like 13 or 16 inches of rain, something like yeah. somewhere between that, in That's two days, and flooded our main river system. It was so bad that we had um, cars, like on the interstate, where, um, what is it, Mill Creek? that uh, Yeah, washed is, out I-24, semis were washed away, Yeah, water up to the roof of the mall. Yeah, they, they had, um, you know, portable school buildings that were floating, away. floating down yeah. the interstate and down the, the creek. So they, it was it was incredible. Lots of houses got washed away and flooded. And a lot of buildings downtown got the same thing. And then, of course, the Opryland uh, or the Opry Mills Mall, most of it was underwater, including mm-hmm. their movie theater. There was a lot of things that happened with that. And um, I was actually 
you know, out of state at a, a relative's wedding at the time. And when I saw that happen, I drove about 11 hours back into town to where I can come straight back into work and alleviated probably about uh, half a week's worth of vacation from it. But it was all right. It was good to get back and help. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that we talk about with our guests that we've had on here, some of the memorable calls that you've had in the past, are there any that, you know, kind of jump out at you? Immediately, the first one that pops out at me is, I had a call. I had just gotten to work. I was working overtime on the second shift, so I'd come in. I was a midnight employee at the time. I came in. I'd probably been on shift 20 minutes when I get a call, and guy gives me his address, and I think, this sounds familiar, and I look, and it was where we had a barricaded suspect. I had just read the call, and he says, yeah, I just woke up, and there's police knocking at my door, and I don't know what's going on, and he kind of played it off like he was just oblivious, and maybe the police were at the wrong door, but... Turns out he had beat his elderly mother, and when she fled to the next-door neighbors to try to get help and to request an ambulance, he fired on them with his assault rifle. Wow. So the paramedics were never able to get in there to help her, and it turned into this barricaded situation. And luckily, I was able to build a rapport with him to the point where he would not let me off the phone. It turned into a three-hour 911 call. But finally, I got the negotiator on the line through three-way, and they were able to have a peaceful resolution. Well, that's good. Now, um, if I recall right, he actually was one of our former employees, was he not? He was. He told me about how he used to work there. Um, he had left a few years before I came on, so I never knew him. Yeah, he. Um, if it's the same person I'm thinking of, he actually worked there. Uh, when I first started, he had started just a few months before I did. He, Believe it or not, he was, he was a seemed like a nice guy and everything i think he just kind of at one point uh, started doing some pain pills and i think he went downhill from there into other drugs maybe there's you know no real telling what happened this was you know years after the fact after he left so uh, there's no real telling now you said uh, to get in there and help his mother did did she actually get shot or did he beat her or what happened no he just beat her she probably had broken bones i don't recall the extent of her injuries but no, she, he never shot anybody. He just shot at them, so they knew he had some high-caliber weapons. Yeah, that's that's messed up on, <laughs> I mean, on every level. It's, yeah. But, yeah, three-hour call. I'm, I don't think I've ever had a call that was quite that long. Right. I've had several I've worked on, not necessarily directly on the phone for that long, but I don't think I've ever been on the phone with anyone for that quite yeah. that long. I think that goes in the record books. Yeah, it, it might do it. Um you know, I, I'm trying to think if, if there's it might anything even past have been that. longer than three hours when I think about it. I think it was beyond midnight before I hung up with him and the call came in sometime around 730, maybe. Yeah, that's so it was quite a long call. Yeah, that's either just, you know, uh, definitely over three hours or you're really, really bad at math. I don't know. <laughs> I might be mad at math. <laughs> so anything else come to mind? Did you uh, have anything else that you had? Nothing. I mean... It's it's really hard, you know, you get asked, what's the worst call? What's the funniest call? And it's just like a deer in headlights. You're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, there are. And you just kind of have to mentally file that stuff away. You know, the bad calls are really what come to mind first. But, you know, there, yeah. are, the, there are the funny calls mixed in. Yeah, the, the thing I've, and I've said this on the show before, a lot of people have asked me about the, the worst call. And I, you know, I did tell people about it for a little while. But then when... After the second or third person kind of gave me that look like, I really didn't want you to tell me that, you know, I stopped telling people that. I'll, I'll, if anybody walks up to me on the street or just a friend or something like that, and I'll, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you, a, you know, crazy call I got today because almost every single day we have something that happens. So, you know, I'll, I'll tell them something along that lines, but I won't give them 
the really, really bad stuff. Yeah. But there are other callers and things like that, calls that we've had, like this one that we're going to do tonight, um, that's actually one of the, the bad ones. The The calls themselves are not that bad. Once we get into them, you'll see what we're talking about. But what actually happened because of it afterwards is just over-the-top terrible. I mean, I, I don't even know, other than, you know, kind of reading some of the details, there's no real good way to, to put it. It's It's really, really hard to hear about some people may have heard it this is a a series of calls from michigan happened last year in 2019 uh, towards the end of the year over a few months actually the first one uh, came in um it was in october and um you know the the call taker will play we'll play a little bit of this call it's about 10 minutes long total but we're not going to play the whole thing because the audio quality on the not the call takers in, but the callers in. I'm not sure if it was a bad phone or what happened or if it may be just their recording. It's actually really bad and scratchy to the point where you really can't hear too much of it. The call taker seems like she can understand what's going on with it, so I'm kind of leaning towards it. It's probably a recording thing, but um, you know, we'll just go ahead and play it and you know let you hear a little bit of it right now to see for yourself. Hey, Wassie, well, where's your emergency? Um, I'm here in Detroit. I'm from New York. And I met this guy at the bus station who offered me a ride. And I'm not even sure where I am. Well, I broke out of this fucking basement and I need a ride. Okay. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I can't go my way back to his place if I wanted to. Um, I don't know if you can take me a signal. I'm from New York. I'm walking down the street with a picture of my sweetheart. I need help. Okay, I'm going to get you help. Are you walking down the street right now? Yes, ma'am, I am. I'm passing a barn. It's all beautiful here. You're passing what? A barn. I don't know what street I'm on. Can you pay me around? Okay, it looks like I can. What's your name? Did you say? Yes, ma'am, I did. How old are you? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And I can't believe her. I don't know where I am. I don't, I don't know. Like, I've never ever had anything like this happen. I don't know whether he drugged me. I don't know. I woke up in a fucking basement. Okay? Chained in a basement with a leather thing around my ankle, and I cut it with the bunch of knives that I have in my freaking hand. Excuse my French. Okay. Do you have anything on you right now? Um, I have my phone. I'm sorry, what? Are you carrying anything? Uh, I'll let you know. Until I see a police officer, when I see a police officer, I will throw it. Until then, I don't trust that he's not walking up because I got lost, and I don't even know if I'm headed towards his house or not. That's why I'm rattling 911. Southmore Road, I believe. I would have just kept walking until I hit Main Road, but I'm lost. So I don't even know if I'm headed back towards his house. He just woke up in a basement. He was chained to something. He cut the chain off. He's walking. I cut the leather strap that had the chain. He's not sure where he's at. What are you wearing? I am wearing black jeans, a black hoodie, Jordan. 3513, send that to me as well. Okay. I, I just want to get out of here and I want to go home. I don't even care about the legal case I was here for. I'm sorry, I can't help them. I want to go home. Okay, all right. And listen, I've got help on the way. What were you here for? I'm a volunteer cohabitant. I came here to help on the CSE meeting. And I was supposed to be meeting them at the bus station. I met this guy. I'm by. He was cute. He hit on me. I know. We went out to the car. We dropped. Uh, we went to the store. I had a soda. I woke up in the basement. Okay. He obviously drugged me. Okay. When I get a trooper close to you, I'm going to need you to put that butcher knife down, though. 
Oh, that's not an issue, sweetie. We'll go flying into the woods. Okay. Your officer is in no danger. I've been a public You don't need to throw it in the year. woods, but but I just don't want it on you. Is there anything else Absolutely. on you at all? Just, um, I don't even know if I have my cigarettes. <laughs> okay. So you don't have a bag or anything else? No, I don't have my bag, no, sweetie. Okay. Okay. I'm going to switch it to my water and my hoodie. Okay. What's your milk? Yes, ma'am, and that's something I don't tell anybody. I mean, you can, you can run me. You can check me out. If you're an advocate, I'm sorry, I'm nervous. That's but okay. Over, over 26 years at 400 Carlton Avenue, Central Iceland, New York. All my friends told me, not, you don't go where you go into Detroit to have people. What's wrong with you? I get people need help. Look at me. You're away from Detroit, you know. Yes, I don't know. I was supposed to be meeting these people in Flint. I met this guy here. And he seemed like a nice guy. He points outside like he wanted to talk. I got outside. He goes, oh, well, I just started shooting birds in the I offered him work. I never had this happen. Are you injured at all? Are you saying that you need any attention? No, no, I'm not injured. Okay. I only know for myself. I'm in a panic right now. Jerry's only as good as a weakest link, honey. He had a leather strap to a metal chain. He's an idiot. Do you know what his name was? No. No? no. And I don't want to pursue it. I want to go home. Okay? I want to go home. So we know that this call came in on October 10th, 2019. This man came in from New York for work, he says. Met a guy who he had a drink with. And then he tells the dispatcher that he woke up in the basement, apparently drugged, and that he used a butcher knife to cut the leather strap on his ankle, which was connected to a metal chain. And then he fled the house with that knife in hand, which he reiterated he was not going to put down until he saw police. He goes on to say that he doesn't know where he's headed, that he doesn't want to make a criminal case out of this, and that he it's not a kidnapping situation, which in hindsight... We know it was. Yeah, absolutely. With something like this, it, um, you know, we can't really tell why, you know, what his reasons for wanting to not make a police report on this was. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if it was just maybe an embarrassment or I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, this guy did not want to make a police report about what happened. He just wanted to get out of there and that was it. Yeah. The article that we have on this says he, went on to say the police gave him a ride to a local gas station, but then that man contacted the guy back and ended up returning to the home the same night. And that nobody wanted the police there, nobody wanted to file charges, and they just went on. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, you, you try to think about why somebody would, you know, get into something like this. I mean, afterwards. I mean, I, I understand if you, you get drugged, there's not too much. I mean, it's... You know, everybody's on a dating app nowadays. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you're single or something like that, you're on a dating app more than likely. You meet somebody on it. Um, I met my husband on a dating app. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Proof positive right there. I didn't know that. But, uh, yeah, the, you know, something like this, you're going to go and meet him somewhere. Generally, I mean, for, you know, if we're going to give tips from a police standpoint, if you're going to do this, be sure if you're going to meet somebody, meet them in a public place first and try to get a read on them to see if they're creepy or not. But even at, at that, I mean, he, he may not have seemed creepy. He may have been, been a well, It says they met guy. up and had a drink and then went back to his house. So yeah. he did not get the creepy vibe that I'm going to tie you up and 
Hannibal Lecter you. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, of course, at the same time, they may have said something about tying up and he was okay with it. I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole nother app. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, but so, you know, but for whatever reason, he didn't want the police to do any kind of a report on it. And, you know, so they didn't. And, you know, it, that actually kind of goes into our next call uh, that actually came in. Um, November 25th, 2019 yeah. is the second call. So, you know, about a month later, somewhere around there, uh, we'll go ahead and play that one now. The audio is better on this one. Uh, we'll let this one ride out. It's about seven minutes long. Uh, once again, it's not too graphic or anything like that, but it, it just kind of leads into what we were getting on in the first place. So we'll go ahead and play that one now. County 911. I want to get away from some creepy guy. He had me tied up in his basement. I'm sorry, what's that? I'm trying to escape from some guy who had me chained up in his basement. You had you chained in his basement? Where are you calling from? I don't know. I am heading over this road. Are you I'm on? From here. Okay, hold on one second. Looks like you're on Tyrell Road. I could be. Are you walking? Yeah. Hold on one second. I don't even have shoes on. 3562. You start for Tyrell Road just east of Morris Road. I don't know if I should try to go to someone's house. I don't know where I'm at. 67 standby. 3562. Can you start for Tyrell just east of Morris Road? Okay, I'm I'm trying to put out a call. 16, you can start off for Tyrell, just east of Morris Road, had a subject that was cleaned up in someone's basement, just fled the residence. He got on foot. after me. Okay, Z, I need you to go to somewhere safe. If you can run up to somebody's house. Where are you at right now? Are you getting able to get away? What's their address? I need their address. He won't give me the address. somebody's house. I'm trying to find someone to help me. Are you in the road? I have some state troopers that aren't very far away. I don't know where I'm Are you in the yeah. Where are you at right now? I'm on um a white house across from like a barn. Okay, are you close to the road? Can you see an address on the mailbox? I'm too far away from the mailbox. I'm sorry? I'm too far away from the mailbox. I 
need you to give me an address so I can send the troopers to Okay. Look for a mailbox. Okay. Can you see a mailbox? Are you on the road? Yeah, I'm on the road now. 6, 2, and 12. He's running down the road trying to get an address or a mailbox or something. Kind of a miracle. Can you just see a mailbox and tell me what, what the address is? 910 uh, W. 910? Yeah. Actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BADLANDSRanch.com slash MC901 today. Thank you, Vincent, of 910 West Tyrell. Is that 910 Tyrell? Let me talk. Can I talk to whoever you're talking to? Yeah, super. He's right here. 
Okay, go ahead and talk to them, and I, you're gonna have to point out where the, the house is that that you're in. Okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead and talk to the troopers there. Okay. So right. hang up. Yep. You can hang up with me. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. So after listening to that call, Kim, as a 911 dispatcher, what do you think? Um, what would go through your head if you actually got a call like that? And have you ever got a call like that? No, not quite like that. No, I definitely have not. Um, my first thought is, how'd you get in that basement? And where'd you meet this guy? And is this domestic related? Or, you know, all those thoughts are running through my head, seeing if it's like anything I ever have had dealt, you know, dealt with before. Yeah, uh, I, I can't recall that I've had something quite like that. I mean, we, we have calls from time to time for where someone is saying, you know, oh, I just escaped someone's house. But usually it's like it might be drug related or something like that. Where domestic. Yeah, domestic. Um, you know, the drugs, they may owe the person some money mm-hmm. and say, okay, we're going to hang on to you here, have a relative or something like that come by and give us some money, we'll let you go, or something along that line. So it can happen. But, you know, the domestic thing. But, you know, with this, we we don't know that dispatcher. You know, obviously, he's going into it blind also. He doesn't know either. So, you know, with, with us – on the dispatch end, I mean, he, he was doing the right thing. He, you know, tried to locate the address and everything, try to get, you know, help started out that way. And, and all it, you can do is go off what they're saying, yeah. you know, just dispatch the call by what they're saying and not make any assumptions about what's going on. Just say, this is what he's saying. Get them there. Let them sort it out once they're there. Yeah. I mean, you know, and we're, you know, up there at work. I mean, for the most part, we're not making any type of judgments. We may have our own opinions or whatever like that. But somebody's calling for help regardless of, what situation they may or may not have not got themselves into, which this guy, I mean, kind of like the last call, it seems like it started out harmless enough. Um, you know, just a couple of guys meeting on a dating app and that's it. Um, there's no real telling what the thought process beyond that was or what happened, but it sounds like, you know, the same kind of thing happened again, you know, trapped in the basement, escaped that type thing. Uh, I think you've got some more details on it, don't you? Yeah, so they say that he is a 29-year-old man who was wearing a leather kilt when he ran from the home. Uh, He tells them that he escaped after being chained up in the basement and that he was being chased. But when police get out there, he says he's being chased because the kilt happened to be expensive. And that's why this person wanted it back. And nobody ever would come clean and say there was a crime committed. He didn't want to press charges. It's again back to that first incident where... You know, if there's no crime, there's no victim, there's not really anything the police can do. Uh, they said that in this particular state, charges can be filed by the state on behalf of a victim in a domestic situation, which we know is the case here in Tennessee as well. But this incident didn't fall under those guidelines. It didn't meet their criteria as a domestic based on what they said the relationship was. Yeah, and and with here in Tennessee, it's, I don't know. There's there's something about it that, um, you know, like the criteria. I'm not exactly sure what the criteria is for us here in Tennessee. Um, as far as the local laws go and everything on where it goes from just, uh, you know, two people that don't really know each other into a domestic situation. You know, that's kind of a line you have to skirt. This one obviously did. I mean, it's, um, you know, it, it could have been that they were just simply meeting and going over to his house and going to watch a movie or, you know, sit around and chat or have some drinks and not have anything necessarily sexual about it. Uh, but you know, we of course yeah. don't know past that. Right. Too, we but... don't know if he got in that kilt willingly or if he was drugged and put in this kilt yeah. as some type of sexual fantasy or we don't know. Yeah. The, I mean, it's really, it's difficult to say, but 
for whatever reason, I guess they reviewed this case and, you know, they couldn't press any charges based on the local laws. And, you know, that's, that's something that we get kind of, you know, hemmed up on every once in a while. Um, uh, we were talking kind of off mic about if, uh, if you have somebody that you borrow, you let borrow your car, they won't bring it back. That's, that's not really a stolen car because breach of trust. yeah, breach of trust. They, you let them borrow it. Or if we get out there and they, you know, say that somebody did, you know, actually they think they stole the car, but as soon as they bring it back, it turns out it's somebody else and they don't want to press charges, even though, you know, technically the car was stolen. Um, and many, many times we'll have the domestic part, you know, with the battered wife syndrome type thing where they'll call in because their husband just beat them up. And, you know, we get out there and, you know, they don't want to press charges. Don't take my husband to jail. Don't take my boyfriend to jail. Don't do this, whatever. And if there aren't any obvious signs of injury, there's not really a whole lot we can do yeah. other than matter of record. Yeah. And, you know, luckily here in Tennessee, we at least we've started anyway in the past few years that used to, if there was no threats or violence or anything that, you know, is noticeable, they would just check off, go on their way. And that was it. Now, mm-hmm. if we get any type of call at all, they do at least at minimum a matter of record report so mm-hmm. there's something on file you know kind of documenting what happened that day and i'm not sure if they actually kind of piece together the 911 calls too along with it because people change their stories you know they'll, they'll call and say one thing on 911 and it's completely changed when we actually get out there right um the police officers anyway so um with this call kind of getting back on it again like we said, there was nothing the the police up there could really do about it. Nobody wanted to press charges. So a second time, this person um, was, you know, off the hook, essentially, you know, for something that he may have been trying to, to do. It, it might have been a, I don't know, it's kind of hard to, hard to really say if, if his intent at first was to try to hurt these people or if it was just some sort of a weird fantasy, if he was trying to drug them to get him to do, to do stuff or if it was going to be, you know, something a lot worse. Yeah. If he had a plan all along. Yeah. And we find out after that, that it actually was a lot worse, much, much worse. So some of the other articles we've read through, it, it does kind of go into it a little bit more, um, with the second caller, at least probably both of them. I, I would imagine this is kind of the way it worked, but, uh, you know, the one, apparently he, you know, hopped the fence in the middle of the night and made his call to 911. Um, said that he was strapped up just like we heard in the call and everything. And, um, you know, he declined to press any charges saying that their sexual activities were consensual and that they, he'd simply kind of got spooked, um, at the home there and, uh, that small Michigan town where it gets really bad though, is a little bit further into December where the actual victim, his name is Kevin Bacon. Uh, was found dead there in uh, a small, apparently hidden room inside the house. So the way that this part gets started is that the victim, Kevin Bacon, he meets uh, the killer, Mark Latunsky, on a dating app, Grinder, And he apparently notifies his, his, his roommate, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he tells his roommate he's going to go meet this guy that he met. And then later on, Christmas Eve... The roommate gets a text message from him saying not to expect him home. Yeah, and then after that, uh, he obviously didn't come home. His uh, parents kind of got worried about what was going on and ended up reporting him uh, missing. They found his car abandoned in a parking lot. His wallet and cell phone were both inside the car. And uh, just from some of the cell phone records, things like that, they 
managed to see that he was on Grinder, and that was kind of they kind of looked into that a little bit and. The parents organized a search party in the area where he was uh, last seen. Uh, you know, his car was found, that type thing. And as they were going, uh, I'm not sure if it was if they were going door to door or if they just went straight to this guy's house. But, you know, the police were there. They knocked on his door. Essentially, he let him in, said it's okay for him to search. And when they searched, I guess, this hidden room, he thought it was hidden better than it was. But they ended up finding the room. And uh, what they found inside that room was just terrible. So what happened with um, the victim on this one, uh, it was similar to the others, but it was by the way that it started out. Apparently, the victim was stabbed in the back, then hung from his ankles uh, upside down. You forgot where his throat was slit, too. Yeah, that that actually apparently happened afterwards, um, after he was stabbed in the back. He slit his throat, and then as a kind of a final act of gore, he cut off the victim's testicles, cooked them, and then ate them. So that was way beyond just craziness. Um, The first two guys on this, they were lucky to get out, literally lucky to get out alive if that was a plan. I don't know if that was a plan or not. I don't know. Um, But if he was going to go through with – the same type of plan they're literally lucky to get out alive i mean it's there's not too much else you can say about it it's and you got to wonder what kind of guilt they might be living with now knowing that had they pursued charges this young man might still be alive exactly i mean that's there's so much to go into it i mean the and it's one of those things it's uh, you gotta as a, a lawmaker type standpoint you have to kind of look into it saying do we need to move this these whole domestic laws a little bit differently to a different area where it's um i don't want to say i guess maybe the casual hookup type thing where you go to meet someone and this i don't know i mean this might have been a thing where they were just going like i said for the first time for um just uh i don't know a hookup like that you know some sort of a random sexual activity or they could have just been meeting to you know see what happens or whatever like that we don't know i mean there's no way to really tell but I think it's safe to say when you meet on Grinder, your intentions uh, are. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it could be either way. Um, but on this this thing, it, you know, I, I kind of want to give the. I always want to try to give the benefit of the doubt on something before I just jump into something. But with this, it's it's pretty obvious what you know ended up happening. You know, it probably was. It probably was. You know, the casual hookup type thing, and it just went you know, badly on each one of them, but not nearly as badly as the, the last portion of it uh, with uh, Kevin Bacon, which, you know, obviously there's no relation to the, to the, actor. the, the actor. Yeah. That would have been, you know, probably made a lot bigger headlines, I guess, but this still was a big national story and it's still, still going on. The, uh, the suspect is, uh, he's been diagnosed apparently several times, paranoid sch- schizophrenic, paranoid and- schizophrenic personality disorder. And he has a history of not taking his medication, previous domestic issues with his wife as well. Yeah. There's, Ex-wife. there's lots of stuff that goes into it. A lot and- of red flags went up with that one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot like, you know, uh, an active shooter that you get all these different tips on or whatever like that. You've, you've got to pursue it. They've got to figure out a way to kind of look into things a little bit more and, you know, it's it's one of those kind of weird things. It's a back and forth for me anyway, um, infringing on somebody's freedoms. Um, you know, if 
you know, you want to hook up with somebody and get into some weird sexual shit, you can do that. I mean, it's, um, but yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily for me or anything like that, but you can do stuff like that. If someone gets the wrong idea and it was meant to be a consensual thing and it went a little bit too far or whatever like that. And the guy leaves or whatever like that. And then later on decides to call the police and do something about it. That kind of on, you know, the one end might, I don't know, infringe on that guy's rights as a, a person thinking that it was just something consensual or something along that lines. It's a slippery slope. I mean, there's no. Well, there was a pattern, though, with this one. Yeah. One time, okay, that you could have some miscommunication. Sorry, dude, I thought you were in on this. I thought this was where we were heading. Second time it happens, yeah. Yeah. You had something up your sleeve. You were, you had a plan. Yeah, he either had a plan or he was, you know, kind of developing into it. Now, you know, of course, at the same time, we don't know, you know, what time all this happened. Um, uh, I think we could probably look it up and, and figure out the times on these things. If they woke up, say, the next morning, uh, he may not have had that type of plan. They may have done whatever they were doing, and part of it was, you know, drug-related. There's, you know, it's hard to tell. But, yeah, uh, if if they were to back up, you know, retrace their steps, that type thing, and actually go through with prosecuting, yeah, you know, Mr. Bacon may still be alive today. Yeah, unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. And when you first sent me this link, I was not seeing where, like, you know, I'm reading through of just shock when I actually hit what he actually was charged with, what he did. Wow. Yeah. It's something that, I mean, we've had, and actually we were talking about something like this uh, that happened, not exactly like this in Nashville that, um, Oh yeah. So seven, eight years ago, we had an incident in the Hermitage area of Nashville where a man had a samurai sword for whatever, I can't remember the details, but he cut his brother's head off with this samurai sword and then prayed over the body for a few days, hoping that he would come back to life and then eventually called us when he realized, well, that's not working. Yeah. Um, that was know, shocking. Yeah. The praying didn't quite help like they were wanting to on that, I guess, you know, but yeah, yeah it's, it's really, really uh, bad. This, it, this whole call, um, luckily we didn't hear the, the gore and everything like that on the 911 call as a, now, one call taker, if you were to hear something like that, it's that's one of those calls that sits with you. You know, we it's easy for me to say, like, I've been there for a little bit over 20 years now. I, I'm, I don't know. I can try to estimate how many calls I've taken, literally hundreds of thousands of calls I've taken over the, t- the telephone. There are a handful that I remember from the time, you know, that I started, things like that. That's one of those that you remember. You remember if you have an officer shot or you have a, what we call code 5,000 where Mm -hmm. it's a, you know, officer in distress, you kind of remember those, the really, really bad, gruesome calls. Some of those stick with you. They'll pop in your mind kind of randomly sometimes, but yeah, it's, uh, something like this is not something that easily goes away. If you were to hear what actually happened while you're on the phone with these people, if, if that was going on. So just like a lot of nights we've, um, really hit these <laughs> the calls we've had pretty hard and they weren't easy to listen to hear the details about things like that so we can't do it every episode but we like to try to finish out some stuff with a little bit of funny this uh funny call that we have here this was actually featured on uh, the jay leno show it was from one of our call takers here in nashville um and this was several several years ago as i mean i would probably say what 
Well, the Jay Leno clip is 12 years old, so yeah. I, I think it's pushing 13, 14 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. I worked with a woman who took this call for a long time. Uh, I consider great, her a very good lady. friend. Yeah, yeah, great lady. And um, this is, uh, we we get calls like this. Believe it or not, we, we get calls that are like this and even sometimes even more ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good way to put it. So I'll go ahead and play this. This is uh, the audio on the Jay Leno show itself. Um, and it is a little bit old. It's the quality's not that good, but you can kind of get the gist of what's going on here. I'll go ahead and play it now. All right, next 911 call is lucky the operator had enough common sense for both of them. Here, check this out. I'm locked in my car. My battery shut down. You're locked in your car? Yes, I can't. My power shut down on my car. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to hop it in I'm starting to freak out. And man, you said your battery died. Yes, but, okay, you tried the handle, right? It won't let you off that way. Yeah, ma'am, it won't let me do anything. Okay, can, can, you, can, you, can you actually see the top of your lock? You know, on the door, can you see what? what? No. Oh, my God. Yeah, just turn it over. Oh, baby. You can get out now, all right? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, all right. So, yeah, she got stuck inside of her car. Um, I've actually had that happen. I mean, not myself while on the phone with somebody, somebody called in and said exactly that, that they are locked inside their car. I, the level I I can't, I just really can't. It's a whole new level. Yeah. But I love it when she says, you see the top of the lock? Yeah, just pull up on it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. All right. Well, I think we uh, probably need to close out the show tonight. Uh, thanks for coming on and uh, being the guest host tonight. Thanks for and, having and me. Beasley's this was absence. so much yeah. fun. I hope I did him justice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I'll say that your voice is a little bit different than his. Just a tiny a little, bit. A little smoother. A little. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. All right, so uh, we'll see y'all later uh, for Music City 911. I'm Brandon Hall. And I'm Kim Manier. We'll see y'all later. <laughs>